this is Head Speaks, a proud member of the Headcast Network family of shows. As usual, I am your host, Aaron Moss, a.k.a. Brother Head. And this is my, well, mostly monthly Headcast, where I talk about comics, movies, role-playing games, TV shows, and anything else geeky that I want. Sometimes I'm alone. Sometimes I manage to con a guest onto the show. So if you like comic books like Firestorm and The Atom, or movies like Back to the Future, or even the Star Wars sequels, uh, or anything else geeky, this, this is the place for you. So let's get the flux capacitor fluxing, the TARDIS tarting, and let's say Shazam! On with this episode of Head Speaks. that which is wrong, and to serve all mankind. Welcome back to Head Speaks. Or I guess it's Welcome Back, Head Speaks. I know I've been gone a couple of months, but here I am. Aaron Moss, a.k.a. Brother Head. And, uh, well, again, I apologize for the delay in the show. Again, life and my depression and a few other things coming up. But here I am. So let's go and get started with today's episode. Uh, first off, we have... Amazing friends! The Justice League of America versus the Legion of Doom. This is What's in Head Longbox. Dedicated to truth, justice, and peace for all mankind. The world's greatest super friends. So I know I've been covering the Power of the Atom series. Uh, Again, we've been on hold for a couple months just because of life, as I said earlier. So we're going to get back into the Atom, but we're not going to cover the next issue of Power of the Atom just yet. We're paying a little bit of a delay on that because, well, when you're hearing this, it should be the month of May. And what do we have for the month of May? Nothing else but JL May. Just when you thought it was safe to hear our podcast promo. Brave and bold, comic books, JL May. JL May, brave and bold, comic books, JL May. JL May, brave and bold, comic books, JL May. The annual podcast crossover event celebrating the Justice League is back. And we're covering the 2007 Brave and the Bold series that started with Mark Wade and George freaking Perez and ended with J. Michael Straczynski. Throughout the month of May, participating podcasts will release special episodes on issues in the run. It all kicks off in the Overlooked Dark Knight podcast. Follow the event on social media using the hashtag JLMay2023. Coming this May. JL May do 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 Brave and the Bold do 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 Comic Books do 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 Mephisto Hey! That it? Is that what you want? 
things I do for this show. <laughs> yes, dear listeners, JL May is back. As you heard in the preview, the preview, the promo, whatever it was, this month, this year, we are looking at the Brave and the Bold. I've, I've joined in a couple of these in the past, uh, the ones that have a comic that interests me. Uh, this year is no different. There was one that jumped out at me, so I joined in. So let's go ahead and get started with this year's JL May. Uh, first off, let's go ahead and talk about the Brave and the Bold. And most of this information comes from Wikipedia, so let's go ahead and get started. The Brave and the Bold actually was a comic book series that started in 1955 that ran through 1983. Uh, there was two miniseries in the 90s, and then it was revived as an ongoing title in 2007. And that's what we're here to talk about. The original series started off, like I said, it ran 200 issues from August, September of 1955 to July of 1983. It was an anthology series featuring uh, heroes from the past, if you will. Viking Prince, Silent Night, Golden Gladiator, Robin Hood, and so forth. Uh, issue 25, was, the title was reinvented, reinvigorated, invigorated, invigorated, as a tryout title for new characters and concepts. Concepts? Wow, English is hard for me. No wonder I'm not podcasting recently. <laughs> Concepts, uh, starting with The Suicide Squad by Robert Kaniger and Ross Andrew. And yes, I talked about that back at the very beginning of my Task Force X podcast. I talked about the first couple issues of The Suicide Squad showing up in Brave and the Bold. Also, that's where the Hawkman, the new version of Hawkman in issue 34 came about, where he had a couple issues before he came up with his own title. Uh, then editor Julius Schwartz hired some guy named Gardner Fox and Mike Szczynski to create the Justice League of America. They appeared in Brave and the Bold number 28, and after two further appearances, got their own title. Uh, it went on with different title you know, themes. It had strange sports stories, uh, and let me see here, and several other themes going throughout it. And then in issue 50, they changed it to a team-up book between established characters. And then issue 59 became more specifically a Batman team-up book with the Cape Crusader teaming up with somebody else. Again, this was due to the popularity of the Batman 66 television show. Issue 74 became an exclusively a Batman team-up title until it ended with issue 200. A lot of legendary characters first showed up in the, the first series of Brave and the Bold. Like I said, that ended with issue 200. After that, as I mentioned earlier... There was a couple of miniseries in the 90s. Uh, there was a six-issue miniseries featuring Green Arrow, The Question of the Butcher, which wasn't revolving. It was just those three in the, in the series. And then there was a, another six-issue miniseries called Flash Green Lantern, The Brave and the Bold, which brings us to 2007. DC res resurrected The Brave and the Bold as an ongoing title. Uh, as, again, during the promo, and with Shag mentions, it was brought back by Mark Wade who actually wrote it for the first 16 issues. And it started out with, it was Batman teamed up with Green Lantern, and then the second and, in this case, Green Lantern in the next issue, would team up with the next character. Like, uh, it was Batman and Green Lantern, and then uh, Green Lantern and, like, like, Supergirl, and then Supergirl and somebody. It was like that for a little while. It was like an ongoing story for a while. Uh, eventually, that that portion of the story ended. Uh, Marv, Wolf, Wolf, Marv Wolfman did a story... And a few other writers did some stories here and there throughout the title. And then in issue 27, J. Michael Szczynski took over the title with artist Jesus Sayas, which had a team up between Batman and Dal H for Hero. And Michael Szczynski saw it through till the end of the series. Uh, and one of those stories in there was the Joker and the Atom, which, hey, the Atom is one of my two favorite characters. So that's how I got involved with J.L. May for this year. Because again, 
we're looking at the Joker and the Atom. So enough beating around the bush and preamble. Let's go ahead and get into Brave and the Bold, issue 31. Uh, See, I say enough preamble and let's get into it, but I'm going to do a little bit more preamble. Like I said, this was issue 31, so there's 30 issues before this. And also, as I said, I've said a lot, um, the stories at this point weren't necessarily tying into one another. Uh, So you could read this one without reading the rest of the stories, but there were some great stories in here. So before you get to this title, check out the other titles, uh, the other Brave and the Bold issues, and the podcasts that are talking about them. Again, as mentioned in the promo, it started over in the Overlooked Dark Nights, and it went through various other podcasts, Dial F for Flanger, The Bat Pod, Legion Podcast, The Legion Project, Till Productions, Right On Network, Justice Trek, Pop Culture Avidata. It all comes back to Superman, which is for, with Michael Bailey, again, one of the godfathers of the show. The Longbox Crusade. I've got several of those clowns over my G.I. Joe uh, podcast. Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. Married with Comics. Couple of great, a great couple there, uh, Jonathan and Maggie talking about comics. Superman in Crisis, The Lantern Cast, starring little Chad Bogleman, who was on my show here a couple months ago. Let me see, Lantern Cast, the podcast of OA, JLI, Bohaha Podcast. Yep, that's Shag Show. <laughs> Rolled Spine, Weird Warriors, Magazines and Monsters, Once Upon a Geek, and then we have Head Speaks. And then it also continues into Coffee and Comics, Aquaman Firestorm, the Fire and Water Podcast. Hmm. Waiting for Doom and the Fan Holes Podcast. Check out those other great shows because, again, they're all a part of JLMA. And why you don't need to to uh, listen to them to understand what's going on for this this issue. You've got some great podcasters talking about some great stories. Go check them out. But you're here for The Atom. So let's take a look at Brave and the Bold, issue 31. The cover date was March of 2010, but the on-sale date was January the 20th, 2010. The cover price was $2.99. The editor of this bad boy was Joey Cavallari. The title was called Small Problems, as I said, featuring the Joker and the Atom. Writer was J. Michael Straczynski. Penciler was both Chad Harden and Jose Hustinanto. I'm probably butchering those names, I'm sorry. Inkers on this was Wayne Faucher and Walden Wong. The letter was Rob Blay. The colorist, Patricia Mulville. The cover credit was done by Jesus Sayas. And this was reprinted in the Team-Ups of the Brave and the Bold hardcover, which came out in 2010, and Team-Ups of the Brave and the Bold trade paperback, again, came out in 2011. So let's go ahead and look at Brave and the Bold. Again, this has our, our logo on the top. It says Lost Stories of Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow, the Brave and the Bold, the Adam with the Adam logo, and the Joker with the Joker logo. And on the cover, we have a nice close-up of Joker's face. Uh, we get the right side of his face, it looks like. We get a close-up of his eye, uh, part of his nose, and the top portion of his teeth. And in his eye, we can see the Adam like he's trapped in there. And while this doesn't actually happen in the story, we don't see the Adam trapped in the Joker's eye, it does give us a little bit of a clue, a little bit of a, a what's going on in this issue. So it's great cover. I really like this one. In fact, again, over my Yo-Jo show, Yo-Jo show? My Yojo, my G.I. Joe, a Real American Headcast, let's get it right. I give out Yojo Colas. Um, since this is a DC project, I'm going to give it Big Belly Burgers, one to five. I'm going to give it a four and a half. I mean, you know what? No, let's strike. Let's go ahead and go for it even five. Not them against Havsies. That's the Longbox Crusade. But I, I'm going to give it a five because I would actually like to have this as a poster hanging up in Manland. I think this would be a great poster hanging up there. So great cover. I think it's fantastic. 
So let's go move on to the story itself. So we started off at Arkham Asylum, and I like this first page here, top uh, portion, top panel. We get a nice outside view of Arkham Asylum, and then we go to some doctors talking, asking about, you know, they're not telling us who it is, but they're asking, has he been briefed? And they're like, well, as much as possible in the brief conversations. And the phone call rings, and one of the doctors picks it up, a cell phone, and he's like, yeah. And the person on the other end's like, I'm coming through now. Oh, looking forward to uh, seeing you. It should be quite quite exciting. And he's like, great. Now, I need you to stand back. So I'm like, ow, 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 ow. Is this a cell phone? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. This is, The landline's the other number. And we were like, what was that? Nothing. Calling the line now. So again, we, they haven't told us who is they, they're talking about or who they're talking to. But again, it, it, reading the cover and being a fan of the Atom, you know they're talking about the Atom. Because again, the Atom can travel through phone lines. I know as we talked about back in the first issue of The Power of the Atom, uh, he has problems going over digital or other type of uh, – it was not a, a like a line involved because in the first issue, he traveled through a satellite apparently, a satellite relay, and it scrambled a signal, made him stuck like a three-foot high for an issue or so until he got everything sorted out and became the Atom again. So again, I like as the uh, doctor hangs up a cell phone and he, and he picks up the landline as it rings, and we get a close-up of the receiver as you know, it's like blue lights coming out of it just showing the effect of the atom coming through the phone line. And then here on the splash page, we have our title and our, our credits. We have the atom coming out of the phone line. And I love, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I love how they show, uh, like in, I, almost like a surprint, the atom coming out of the phone line, like as a little dot. As he's flipping around, he's growing larger until he's in full size. Well, I say full size, like six inches high, but in full color, staying on the desk. I like this. He's like, so I was told your doctor. Is that right? That's right. Good, because I so need an aspirin right now. Because <laughs> again, trying to go to the cell, cell phone kind of mixed up his, his mind a little bit and threw him off his game a minute. So, But this is a great opening splash page for the Atom. Like he's coming through the phone line, so he's showing his powers. And we're getting a little bit of a sense of humor. So again, I, I love this image of Ray just standing here on the desk. Again, at three or six inches high talking to these these sci- or these doctors. And so, again, we go in with the doctors explaining what's going on, and apparently they have a patient that has a rare neurological condition that's causing the synapses within his brain to fire nonstop. He describes like a car running at full throttle that can't be turned off. And the condition first produces seizures. The patient lapses into a coma. and left untreated. The patient will die. And again, Ray, quick and to the point, that's why I'm here, someone at Arkham. And we find out it's the Joker. And uh, again, so they're showing the uh, the Adam pictures of the Joker's brain as they're talking about this. And then, you know, Ray figures, or they tell Ray that it's the, uh, let's go back a second. As he's sitting there listening, I like that Ray's sitting on the computer's mouse as he's listening. It's just a great little image of him sitting on the computer mouse. It just makes me chuckle. But he finds out the Joker, I like this. He's talking, he's like, so you're saying that unless something is done to save his life, the Joker's going to die in painful and agonizing death. The doctors talk to him. That's correct. And I like this here at the next. So we get that panel. And then the next panel is just sitting there, Ray, sitting on the mouse, sitting there, thinking, with a monitor behind him showing the Joker profile in, in front view. And then the last panel on here is like, I'm not seeing a problem here. Because, <laughs> again, he, he's it's Ray Palmer. He's a superhero. He does what needs to be done to save people, to help everybody, no matter what you've done. He, he believes, you know, people can deserve a second chance. But as we've talked about over... Well, on this show, in earlier episodes, I mean, he was stuck with the uh, his friends at, when he was at six inches high for, you know, however long it was. And he learned to become more of a warrior. So, again, while he is still a superhero, he also 
has a bit of a harder edge now, I guess, is the appropriate term. So again, letting the Joker die at this point, I mean, at one time he may not have, have had this thought. He may have just signed up and, and dove right in. But at this point, he's like, you know, the Joker's done all this horrible stuff. He's, you know, he's killed Sarah Essen. He crippled Barbara Gordon. He tortured James Gordon, plus all the other numerous things he's done over his career. So letting him die is not, you know, I don't know I'm supposed to root for the hero and all that, but letting the Joker die isn't necessarily a bad thing. And as they continue, the doctor he talked to originally, I believe it was, is like, what do you may think? And so this is the doctor talking with the Adam. Adam keeps interrupting him. He's like, so what do you may think of our patients? It's the Joker. As doctors, we have a moral obligation to give them the best possible care. It's the Joker. While they remain in our care. And did I mention, it's the Joker. So the doctor's like, well, you know, this is our job. We were supposed to protect people. And it's the Joker. Did anyone ever tell you this is the Joker? (laughs) And uh, they're like, well, the best possible cure is to inject a small amount of an experimental compound directed into the somatic ray at Moscow level. And the hopes they can reset this brain, kind of like rebooting a computer. And one doctor's like, one of the doctors like, the condition is usually fatal. And Ray's like, darn the luck, because it's you know it's usually impossible to get to that point without damaging the rest of the brain. And again, they're like, and that's why we need you to deliver the compound. No, even if we reach the somatic malfunction, it may not work. No, it may even kill him. And Ray's like, wait a second, you're saying I go to the Joker's brain into the heart of a synaptic lightning storm with absolutely the best intentions to save his life. I can do everything I'm supposed to do as a caring human being and still kill him. And the doctor's like, yes. Where do I sign? <laughs> so again, I love the, this this humorous aspect of uh, Ray, and that's one thing I'm just briefly complaining that a lot of the the DC movies are missing is this humor. Uh, the Shazam movie had it, but I think, and the Suicide Squad movie had it, but I think they may have went over the top on those. But that's for another complaint. Um, I, I do like the way it's being done here. Then again, the artwork in this is magnificent. We get Ray standing there at the very, where do I sign? Just a grin on his face. He's like, it's, you know what? I could go in there, do what I'm supposed to do, be a good person, and the Joker could still die. Hmm. Not a bad thing. <laughs> and then we get to the next page where we get the Joker on, strapped to a bed. He's got a uh, oxygen mask on his face. And they have a conversation here. And the doctor's like, well, do you need some sort of breathing apparatus? And he's like, no, I'll be going in smaller than the oxygen molecules. How do you breathe? The oxygen molecules are... And again, this one they've dealt with different times in the past. I know sometimes he's had a suit. Sometimes they explained, you know, they give pseudoscience that, you know, when he shrinks down, I think I've read in one ep- issue that some of the air around him shrinks down with him, which gives him breathable air. Uh, here, uh, Michael Straczynski, he realizes this is comic book and comic book science. So instead of getting some pseudo answer, which I don't mind, I mean, I, I like when they give some sort of comic book science answer. The Ray just says... There are some things it's best not to ask. It works. That's all. And so basically, Straczynski's just saying, you know, I don't want to explain it. I don't need to go into detail. It's just something that works. If you can't accept it, stop reading the book now. <laughs> so I just like, you know what? It just works. I don't know why. I can't, can't explain it. It just it just happens. Let's go. <laughs> and then we have Chekhov's gun here. Uh, one of the doctors is telling him that, you know, there's a warning he needs to give him for his personal safety. He's even with electrical fields generated in the synaptic gaps. Energy pulses that control behavior, memory, everything. He says it's possible there could be some spillover into his own neural neural system. Kind of like a radio frequency blending over to another when in close proximity. And Adam's like, I'm sorry? Nothing. Let's just do this, okay? And and they're like, well, the best way, and usually when they pet Ray into these situations, they usually pet him in a, uh, a needle, hypertrophic needle or something, and shoot him into the bloodstream. Here they're telling the best way in is through the nasal muscular membrane, 
where the tissue protecting the brain is the thinnest. And Ray's like, his nose. I'm going in through his nose. <sighs> Joker boogers. Never, just fo- never mind. Just focus. Get the job done. <laughs> and again, as Ray goes through this, he, he's explaining what's going on, that he's shrinking down and getting into the bloodstream. And while he's still too big, he, he needs to shrink. Or while he's so small he could do this, he needs to go down even smaller. And I do like that, you know, he says if he stays this size for too long, he'd cause a blood clot to the brain that could kill the Joker. It's like, and that'd be terrible. In, f- in fact, I like this little... I'm going to read this dialogue because I like this. This here is... Uh, the pages aren't numbered. It looks like it's page six, story-wise. Uh, it says, let me see. The red and white blood cells are, and platelets are as big as SUVs to me, but I'm still not small enough. If I stay at this size or remain too... This size too long... Let me see. If I stay at this size or remain still for too long, I could cause a blood clot to the brain that could kill him. And that'd be terrible. In fact, I can need to pause a moment and just think about how terrible that would be. And I can just see the panel of rages sitting there floating in the bloodstream with blood platelets floating around him, thinking about it like, oh, well. And again, so he keeps shrinking down smaller and smaller until he gets to the, the neural synaptic network. And yeah, I like this here on page eight, I believe. Or no, I think it's page seven. We got Ray holding the cancer he's supposed to open when he gets to the right area. And around him, we get these these neural networks flashing like parts of the memory or whatever in the Joker's brain. And it's just, it's a, it's a beautifully drawn picture. I, I love the Ray just sitting here floating in the, in the, uh, the brain, I guess. And he gives you a little bit of information. Again, as since the Ray is a science type guy, we get some information. He talks about every flash is a memory or part of a thought being processed. Even while he's unconscious, you link the synapses that are assigned to specific numbers and you get a phone number or a birthday he says that's why it helps remember a number by going from one to nine in the hope that one number will trigger the next in a series of flashes. And he's, like, be- he's all beautiful, despite the person who this brain belongs. And so as he f- goes floating through the brain, trying to find where he has to go, uh, he accidentally gets hit by a bioelectrical surge. And he tells him it's kind of like lightning, which he had his experience back in the Sword of the Atom the f- series when his plane got struck by lightning and got stuck at six inches high in the uh, the swamps, or they're not the swamps, but the uh, South American jungles. And all of a sudden, Ray flashes into one of the Joker's earlier memories, how, you know, he, Joker is a kid, is talking about how he's not weird, the world's weird. And as he's sitting there talking to this girl, a couple of boys come over and, you know, they start picking on him. One of the guys like, you're sitting in my spot. And the Joker's like, didn't see your name on it. How about I punch you in your face and write your name on it in your blood's guz face? Like, you could do that. Wouldn't do it good, though. The other guy's like, why? He'll still be a jerk. So the, the jerk punches Joker, and uh, he's like, yeah, take that. Now who's a jerk? What are you going to do, huh? Go cry to your mom? And Joker look, looks up at him, smiles, and jumps on him and starts beating on him. Grabs his lunch pail. It's sitting there and just starts beating on the kid. And next thing we get the Joker sitting here in the office, again, as a kid. Yeah, you know, the Joker's upset. The teacher, the principal's upset that, you know, the Joker beat the crap out of this kid. But again, I don't want to side with the Joker, but the kid had it coming. He was a jerk, and we find out he's the third school he's been taking him to. And so, according to this story, the Joker was a little unbalanced even as a kid. And as I go through the story, we'll talk more about it. And I, I like this story, but one, I do like, again, the killing joke that uh, Alan Moore wrote also many years ago. Uh, Joker talks about his origin, how he's a failed comedian. Uh, his pregnant wife died, and that's how he became the Red Hood. And he ended up fighting Batman, following the chemicals, became the Joker. According to that story, he was more of an ordinary person. He wasn't a psycho like he is in this story. Because this story, it's it's kind of 
presenting him as psychotic already. But also, like they said in that story that, you know, he says it is, you know, life's kind of a multiple choice of what can his origin. And again, this is Joker's brain. So this may not be an accurate memory. It may be the Joker's worked memory of it, mistranslating what happened. And that's so, again, well, I like this. I don't like to see the Joker as a kid be psychotic because I like the the whole ordinary person just had a bad, really bad day and became the Joker. And again, I've seen that. And elsewhere, I mean... In uh, Green Lantern, when Coast City was destroyed and how Jordan became Parallax. Again, as I talked about the time on the news groups I was on, a lot of people were complaining about, oh, hell wouldn't do that. Like, you know, actually, I could see that because for a while before that, a couple of years in the books, Hal was looking a little, uh, the writers were writing like he was a little off. Like, you know, him and Hal got, him and Hal, him and uh, Guy got into a fight in issue 25 over who's in the Green Lantern of Earth. And I said at the time that, you know, Hal looks like he's losing the plot a little bit. He's, he's not behaving like he should be. And then to lose Coast City, and this is before he found out that Carol and his family survived, because it seems like almost everybody survived Coast City. Uh, as I would tell people, you know, the story, the story shows that all it takes is one bad day to push someone over the edge. And that's how it happened. The Joker, one bad day, just pushed him over the edge. And a lot of villains are the way they are because it's just one bad day. So the Joker being a psycho as a little kid, I, I don't particularly like that train of thought or that, that part of the story. But again, being the Joker's mind, I do like that this may not be accurate. It's not like Ray's traveling in time. He's really one of the Joker's memories. But the Joker, as we've talked about, is psychotic. His brain's warped. Maybe he's misremembering this. So that's the way I look at it. I don't know if you guys are seeing it the same way. If not, let me know. But I do like his the Joker sitting here, his mom's, you know, talking to the principal about his about him and the problems 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 he's got. He's looking at a displays case. And we go from seeing the young kid to the older Joker Joker, which changes into the Adam's face. And the counselor, or the, uh, the uh, not counselor, but the principal is telling her, you know, it may not hurt to get the way some counseling, serious counseling, and lots of it. And then we find out that we hear his parents arguing, and his dad, you know, is accusing his mom of, you know, whoring around on him. And he's like, he's your son, you're his mother. If he screwed up, it's your fault. And his mom's like, so you're not responsible for anything, right? Same as usual. Shut up. For all I know, he might be my son, you cheap. Don't you dare. He's sick. What he did, what he's been doing, all those missing cats and dogs, the way they were found. No son of mine could ever do something like that. And the Joker packs his bag and leaves, propping a rocking chair in front of the front door, or in front of one of the doors, pets a cane in another big door, and sets the building he's in on fire. It's a giant house. Apparently his parents were loaded. But yeah, he burns it to the ground again. Here on page, I think it's page 13, I'm guesstimating, we see the Joker walking away from the house while it's burning down. Again, just a great image, a great visual of the Joker burning his old life and going on to live his best life, if it's a word. And again, I, I don't know, I don't like the the references here that, because this story is making it point painted out that the Joker's always been a little psychotic. He's always been something wrong with him. Like I said, I don't particularly care or like that picture of the Joker. Uh, there's been no definite origin for the Joker, so it's not necessarily wrong. It's just not one that I like. Like I said, I like the the ordinary guy, the failed comedian that, you know, something bad happened and he just lost the plot and just became the Joker. I, I do like an ordinary guy becoming, you know, one of the worst villains in DC Comics. So, again, that's my own take on it. Uh, take it or leave it. Let me know what you guys think. Send me an email to head at headspeaks.com. Uh, so we get the Adam. Again, he's back on one of the brain cells or whatever it is. Talk about how he, you know, he has a memory blast. He's got to finish, finish this and get out before 
No, so he gets again. Gets hit again. So he gets struck by the the electrical synopsis once again, and he's sitting there, kind of on his hands and knees, looking up, smoking. As we go back into another one of Joker's memories, and the Joker's hanging with these other guys, and they're robbing a liquor store, and he shoots the clerk, and we see from the I don't know if it's the I can't okay it's the uh, those mirrors they have in the store so that they can look at the back. We see the Joker's reflection in there, and we see River to Ray's mask on the Joker in his his jacket and gun. And then we get out with Joker talking with his gang members. They're like, we agreed that no one's going to get hurt. It's just armed robbery. And they're like, we agreed on this. And Joker's like, I don't, did I? I don't remember. I guess I forgot. My memory sometimes plays tricks on me, you know. Don't mess with me. I don't know why you do it. Why did you have to go and kill that guy? Well, I guess I could. And he turned and put like three bullets into his, in quotes, friend's head. And it was any questions? <laughs> And again, so we, the next page, again, it's a nice splash page showing the Joker reliving some of his memories. I want to say growing up, but in, in as a teenager, as a young adult, uh, stabbing people, uh, robbing people, killing people, blowing up buildings. And then we see him as the Joker shooting people. And we see him as a j- nice shot of the Joker with a gun aimed at us, holding one of his Joker playing cards. And then we get a nice image here on the same, on the splash page of half of the Joker smiling and half of Ray just like horrified at what he's seeing in the Joker's head. Nice splash page. Again, I, and I do like, and as I was saying, I I don't like this version of the Joker's history, but I I do like when they're talking to the kid here, he's like, yeah, I don't remember. I forgot. My memory sometimes plays tricks on me, you know, which kind of is telling us that, you know, maybe this isn't an exact memory. It isn't perfect. Maybe it's something he saw on a show or so. Who knows what's going on here? But as far as the Joker's concerned at this point, it is part of his history. It is part of his memories, but maybe not. So there is some that wiggle room for people like me that I don't care for this version of the Joker's history. Okay, well, there's this little wiggle room they're giving me to, you know, I can read it. Is that Okay, well, they're saying that this isn't actually what happened. This is just the way the Joker remembers it because his mind is all screwed up. So I do like that Straczynski, while he is giving a version of the Joker's origin, He's also giving us a little bit of an out that if you don't like this, you know, maybe this isn't his actual origin. These are just the screwed up memories. So I, I do think Krasinski did a great job so far. Let's just keep, go, keep going. But he, I think he did a great job on this as far as uh, giving us an origin, of the, another possible origin of the Joker. And again, much like in the killing joke where uh, it was Alan Moore said that, you know, life's multiple choice. Why can't my history? Meaning that this may not be what actually happened. The same way here where he's talking about how, you know, his memory plays tricks on him. So I, I do like that. It's very nice. And then we cut back to the present with uh, Ray waking up on, laying there on on one of the jo- on the Joker's brain, I guess it is. And he kind of sits up and he's got kind of like a Joker sadistic grin on his face, a very wide rictus grin. It's a very creepy image of Ray. And then we get another memory playing of the Joker having some guy on a board hanging over the edge of a building. And he's talking to the guy. He's like, yes, I mean, I enjoy what I do. It doesn't make sense to put that much effort in doing something if you don't enjoy it. Now, does it? Like any good truth, I had to get past the obvious to find it. And this is it. I'm an artist. Again, this is the Joker Joker, the purple outfit, the purple and green outfits, uh, just a regular looking Joker. He's like, I'm an artist. See, a normal man tries to fit the rest of the world. I mean, that's sensible, isn't it? That's why they teach children to fit in, not stick out, not to be weird. But I'm an artist. Says, no, I won't. But I'm sorry, I'll try it again. He says, but an artist says, no, I will not be sensible. I will not change to fit the world. I will change the world to fit me. 
I will remake the world in my own image. They kind of the board's like, mm-hmm. and this looks like it's a, a teeter totter. Actually, he's on because you got the, the bars you hold on to. And so the guy on the end is like, mm-hmm. how's that? How do I know when I've won? When I've transformed the world. When I make the world as mad as the world has made me. When I make the world a killer as the world has made me a killer. And again, this here, I like this dialogue because again, this kind of backs up my earlier thoughts that I, I like the Joker that's was normal and just a bad day caused him to go over the edge. And this is kind of hinting towards that also. Maybe he was a good person. And just being downtrodden by the world has made him go mad. So he he wants to pass that on to the world. And, you know, the world's made him to a killer. So now he wants to make the world into a killer. I, I do like the dialogue here. Again, I don't like, as I said, the Joker being a psycho to begin with. But I do like here that Trzynski's saying that, you know, now he's saying, oh, the world made me a killer. The world made me mad. So, you know, we're not quite sure of what the Joker's origin is. And I like that about the Joker. I like the Joker not having a a permanent origin. Uh, If you're like me, the killing joke's a great origin for the Joker. If you want, this has another great origin of the Joker with him actually being a a psycho. I mean, kind of like in the 1989 Batman movie, uh, the Joker was part of a gang and he, they tied that in him killing the Waynes. I don't necessarily like the fact that he killed the Waynes. I, I don't like they had to tie the two together. But I can understand why. And again, if you like that, that origin's out there. So again, I love the Joker has these multiple or- Some I like, some I don't care for as much for the Joker. But they're there. But there's always that. The great writers, in my opinion, like Straczynski and Moore, gives you these little outs. Well, here's the origin, but maybe it's not true. <laughs> so if you like something different, go for it. Uh and so as he's talking to the on the board, he's like, it hasn't happened yet. But sooner or later, it will. Someday the world will go mad and kill me with the same violence it sees in me. On that day, I will have succeeded in remaking the world in my image. On that day, I will become the world. It takes a little understanding to see that murder is easy. You just have to take all the things you care about, all the things you think you believe in, put them into a long plank. Then killing is simply as walking away. And he steps off the teeter-totter, which the board and the guy goes flung over the edge. And the Joker's like, after that, you just forces of nature do their thing. And so I do like the way the Joker's explaining the, you know, in here, another version of his origins in quotes, the way I'm reading it, as he's killing this guy. And then we get a bubble inside here saying, get out of my head, get out of my head. And the next page, we show the, we show the Adam trying to get out of my head. He's like, I've got to get out of here before I, before I become. And then he sees the, the canister of liquid. And Ray's sitting there, I should let you die. I should let the brain chew itself up from the inside if there's nothing left. I should say I did all I could. It didn't work. I should just walk away. And again, that's kind of what the Joker was saying is that, you know, all you have to do sometimes be a killer is to walk away. And Ray's like, I could just walk away and no one know the difference. But again, that's not who Ray is. Ray is a hero. So again, like he says here, I refuse to give you what you want. I refuse to become you. I'll hate this moment for the rest of my life. But it's better than hate, than hating myself. As he said, with that canister in his hand, uh, next thing we know, we're outside of the Joker with the doctors talking. You know, he's been there quite a while. No, I mean, probably, you know, you don't think he, you know, no, everything he said, he, Adam isn't the type. And so they're kind of wondering, you know, is Adam going to let the Joker die? <laughs> and I do like they're kind of questioning Ray. No, he's that's not who he is. He's a hero. He went out. The brain activity is stabilizing, and the Adam comes jumping out. Of the Joker's nose, apparently. And he goes, one of the doctors like, ah, here he is. The hero of the moment. And Ray's like, uh, thanks, but I don't feel much much like a hero now. And the doctor's like, I know how you must feel. I kind of doubt that. But you did the right thing. Now I should. The, Ray's like, 
Before you go, a question. You said there might be some overlap between his neural patterns and mine. If that were to happen, I mean, would there wouldn't be long-term side effects. Would there, once I'm outside, it should go away? And the doctor's like, I should think so. But this is all such a new thing for us. It's hard to be 100% sure. And then with, the, Ray, with Adam sitting here on a, a little box, first day probably bandages. And the Joker's like, you let me live? You could have let me die, but you saved my life. He's like, yes, because sooner or later, you'll see from Arkham as you always do. I like the idea of you being trapped in the prison of your own brain. A life sentence in a place worse than Arkham could ever be. Able to escape. And, Ray, and the Joker's like, you're weird. He's like, no, I'm not weird. It's the world. And then we cut to what the Joker was saying in this head, you know, about the world. It's the world that's weird. The Joker's sitting there laughing, going, <laughs> happy dreams. <laughs> then we cut to an outside shot of Arkham Asylum with the Joker's, <laughs> and we get the end. And again, that's the end of the story. It doesn't continue anywhere. As far as I know, they don't pick up the, and this is a nice place to end it. The Ray saved the Ray. The Adam has saved the Joker. And the Joker may have left a little bit of himself inside Ray when Ray got shocked, but we don't quite know. And the way that the Adam is kind of quoting what the Joker said in his memory, does he have a little bit of the Joker? It kind of leaves that up to wonder. I don't think they ever follow up on this anywhere else. I know he shows up elsewhere after this, uh, the Adam that is. But yeah, I don't think this portion of the story, this uh, maybe the the Adam having some of the Joker's and put into his brain. I don't think this ever shows up anywhere else. Continuity. I think that's a nice thing that kind of, they kind of future writers left on the table. Uh, I kind of wish again, it's been, it's been what 13 years since the story. So I don't, maybe a little late now there's been a couple world altering events taking place, but I, I wish someone would have followed up on this story and delve. Maybe Trzinski again, this series ended uh, in just a few months. This was near the end of the run. So, unfortunately, he didn't get you. I don't know if he was going to follow it up later on in this series and it got canceled. I'm not quite sure why it got canceled offhand, but I do wish they could have followed up a little bit more on that. I would have liked to seen the Ray revisiting uh, the Joker uh, or the Joker's memories or the Joker effect on him. Like I say, it's got great art. It's fantastic art in this book. The writing is top notch. Like I said, it gives you another origin of the Joker. Like I said, if you don't like that origin... Uh, they give you a little bit of out on, oh, maybe this isn't the way it happened. Maybe it is. I don't know. So I, I do like how they, they play fast and loose with, you know, whether or not this is an origin of the Joker or just his warped mind seeing it that way. But overall, yeah, fantastic story, fantastic art. I definitely, if you like the Joker, if you like the the Atom, definitely recommend checking out this issue of Brave and the Bold, issue 31. Well, I say there was only four more issues left after this. Uh, issue 35 was the last issue. So a good series. I remember reading this. I bought this series as we went along. Try that again. I bought this series as I went along. This was getting near the time of my, when I was buying books, uh, just due to life. And I'd moved. I'd had another kid with my new wife. So things were getting a little tight. So I would stop comics around this time. In fact, when this, this issue came out, I may have read this online somewhere uh, now that I think about it because I think I maybe it stopped by then. I know it was like in 2007, 2008 when I started getting out, necessarily getting out of comics. I didn't have the money to buy comics. So, but anyways, that's the story for another time. Uh, this has been the Brave and the Bold 31. As I said, if you like Brave and the Bold, definitely check out the other, the other uh, podcast I mentioned earlier. Now that you've heard this one, Go and listen to the last couple, Coffee and Comics, Aquaman and Firestorm, Waiting for Doom, and Fanhole's podcast as they finish up The Brave and the Bold, JL May 2023. And I want to give a big 
special thanks to friend of the network, Derek Crabb, who uh, kind of put this whole thing together. He, he took the uh, lead on this year's JLMA, and he went ahead and organized all this. So, Derek, Derek William Crabb over on the Fanholes podcast, I want to thank you very much for allowing me to uh, talk about this issue and join in this year's JLMA. And like I said, you guys out there listening, check out the rest of the shows. There's some great shows out there. Talk about some great comments. I was going to do some more stuff for this episode, but just due to life and a few other things, uh, we didn't quite make it. So we're going to end this episode here. Like I say, check out the other podcasts I've mentioned. I'll have the list probably in the f- uh, on the Facebook page, and I'll probably append it in the show notes. Great shows, like I've said. And come back next month with episode 71, when hopefully I'm back on track with... Power of the Atom. Plus, uh, whatever segments I put in. <laughs> Have a good night, guys. Thank you for listening to another fantastic episode of Head Speaks. Hope you enjoyed it. If so, let me know. Drop me an email to head at headspeaks.com or visit our home at head.headspeaks.com. You can also visit and talk with me on Facebook and Google+, both under Head Speaks. You can also send an MP3 file with your thoughts, and I can play that on the air. And you can also get more of me on my other podcasts. Be sure to listen to Task Force X, where monthly I look at John Ostinger's Suicide Squad and Paul Kuppenberg's Checkmate comics from the 80s and early 90s. Also, over on G.I. Joe, a real American headcast, my podcasting friends Ryan Daly and Kyle Benning, along with myself, are looking at all of the G.I. Joe, a real American hero comics, and related titles from Marvel and IDW. All of my headcasts are available on iTunes and Stitcher, along with the respective blogs and my main page at headspeaks.com. All, all comments, thoughts, and opinions expressed on Head Speaks are o- owned wholly by the speaker of said comments and do not express the opinions of Head Speaks. Unless, of course, I'm the one making the comments. Head Speaks, Task Force X, and G.I. Joe, a real American headcast, are all part of the headcast family. So join us next month for another wonderful episode of Head Speaks. Until then, I'll see you in the funny pages. Good night.